This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. You guys come on up here. I've known Dirk, and I haven't, I actually have never met Bobby because they got married after Dirk left Bible College, but I've known Dirk and, uh, for 36 years now, almost 35 years. And uh, it's just a blessing to have you guys here with us. You're going to love the story of what they're doing. They're working in Thailand in the, in the area of human trafficking. And so I'm going to ask you to just open your hearts to receive what God has to speak to us today. Dirk and Bobby have been pastors for many years and then got, recently God called them to Thailand. And so that's what they've been Amen. doing. So God bless you guys. Go ahead. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Rich. It's wonderful to be here. You know, that picture is, that's what you get when you watch too much television. Uh, we had watched either the cross and a switchblade or a Latino version of it called the Duke of Earl. And uh, then we all wanted to dress up like that. So, um, but it, it was fun. And what's more fun is seeing what God has done in the lives of people at that college and where God has taken them. Some have done great works and some have done smaller works. It doesn't matter in the eyes of God. They have been obedient to the Lord and God has blessed their efforts. So thank you, Pastor Rich. Thank you for Life Church and those online for allowing us to come and share our hearts and uh, how we got to do what we're doing right now. So this is my wife, Bobby, and I just want her to come so you could meet her and you could just give a quick greeting. Um, I just want to say thank you um, for having us, and hello, good morning. And I just want to encourage you all. Um, I just feel like the Lord was just put on my heart this morning just to encourage you, whether you are sitting here in the sanctuary, whether you are listening online, um, to just I just want to encourage you to don't give up on God, don't give up on your church. In these times, we need Jesus more than ever and each other, and just, just to continue meeting. And if you have to wear masks or whatever, just do it, but don't... Don't forsake the assembling and, and don't give up ever. Amen. You know, and God brought us together. We weren't even a couple. I, we actually did street ministry before I went to Bible college. I did bar ministry. She was doing street ministry. And then when I went to college, she just was just writing and just sharing, you know, the different people that we met on the street and how they were doing. And it was like one letter a week. And then about a month into it, I got two letters a week. And by the end of the first semester, uh, believe it or not, I was getting a, a few letters a week, and I was beginning to wonder, I wonder if God's doing something. And so when I went back, uh, I asked her, I said, do you want to kind of go on a date? Let's go bar witnessing. And so we went bar witnessing, and then we came back, and I asked her that night, would you go with me? And uh, she said yes. And I went home, and I, was, I felt bad, because I didn't believe in dating. You don't exchange people like you do clothes. And we got together the next time, and I said, would you marry me? So we literally had one date. We just celebrated 34 years together. And I went back, yep, amen. Went back to Bible college, uh, graduated, came back. She had gotten everything ready. Within a month, we got married. And uh, I went to the pastor of the church, and I said, I've graduated. Here I am. He said, congratulations. I told you you could work at the church. Here is a broom. You are now the custodian. And I was fine with that um, because, you know, too many want the platform without, you know, knowing what it's like 
back there or cleaning and whatever. And so through the years, God has taken us to be, be pastors twice. We pastored in Chicago. We helped start a church in Chicago. We pastored at that church there. We moved to Minnesota by faith. We've been there for uh, 25 years. We helped start a church there. We pastored that church for 15 years. And then God stirred our hearts uh, to go to missions again. We've done different trips, but God began to stir our hearts, and you're going to hear that story. You know, when we're in Thailand and Southeast Asia, um, many of them call us mom and dad. Uh, the first year, we didn't know many, but the more we kept going, they referred to us as mama and papa. Mama and papa are back, and with that, we're going to begin our journey, so thank you, Bobby. Um, as we do that, I just want to highlight just a couple things that we have, and I want to read a scripture. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. And so what we have got today at the back table, it'll make more sense as we go on here, but I did write a book. It's called, we wrote the book, uh, Changing Numbers to Names, as you can see with the slide back there. And really what that is, is a lot of people have talked about human trafficking and they throw the statistics out there, 40.3 million slaves in the world today, uh, a multi-billion dollar industry, and it, 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 it ministers up here, but it doesn't touch here until you get to know. And when we visited this particular city and found that the human beings are actually assigned numbers when they go to work in the brothels, and that's how the customers call them out by their number, we wanted to take it more personal. So this book is a compilation. I wish I could say every story ends with, and they were rescued and they live happily ever after. Not the case, that's not life. But there is some. And so if you want that, it's $10, and that simply goes for our outreach expenses, which helps us to buy time because you have to buy the time with the potential victims to sit with them and talk with them and get to know them. We also have a, uh, you know, obviously we're looking for support. We're looking for monthly supporters. So we have this card back there as well. We also have a, uh, a prayer card. You can take that and a newsletter that you can sign up for. So to get started, I'm going to open in prayer and then I'm going to begin with a video and then we're going to go on a journey together. I've always said, Lord, if you want to take me to the mission field, I don't want to bore people. I want to take them with me to see what it is that you have shown us. Father, we come before you today. I thank you for this opportunity to stand and represent the voices, the names behind those numbers. I pray that you open up our hearts today to receive the Father's heart, to know your heart and the fact that what we talk about, you see right now. You hear their voices. You hear their cries right now. Take us there today, we pray. In the name of Jesus. You may show the video. We don't like to face reality because the truth, it's uncomfortable. And we don't want to feel, we don't want to be too vulnerable. Because if we cared at all, we'd have to care too much. And we're afraid if we try, it still won't be enough. Three children will be sold in the time that you watch this. We thought we were done, but it didn't end with the slave ships. 40.3 million slaves in the world today. A number so big, we'll never know all of their names. Faces of men, women, children, lied to, forced, coerced, exploited. Silenced and unseen, but do you hear their voices? 
They're not just a victim, a slave, or a number. They're sons, their daughters, sisters, and brothers. I have a dream, it was famously said, but we've forgotten that dream. It's time to dream again. They ask, doesn't anyone know? Can't they see? If one is enslaved, then none of us are free. What are you gonna do? Will you speak for silenced voices? You can't say you don't know. Now you have choices. You can't put a price or a number on someone's worth when that person is priceless since they were born on this earth. Face is easy to ignore when you don't know their name. If they stood in front of you today, would you walk away? It's time to rise up, get up, stand up, overcome every obstacle. And together, we've always done the impossible. We stand as one and say, we will not forget you. Now, now is the time for liberation and rescue. Thank you for Sunday and Papa, Mama, for me. Gets to you, doesn't it? <clears throat> Her name is Priyo. Um, as I get into the message here and how we got there, I just want to highlight just the few of the things that we do and how, kind of how I got there. As a pastor, I became aware of the issue of human trafficking. And so once a year, I would tackle the subject, uh, either personally or I'd bring in speakers that would talk about it. I brought in uh, some friends that I had met at a conference that opened a rescue home for children. I had them share. I've brought in people that were former porn stars that had gotten saved and came and share from their experience and share from their heart. Uh, we just talked about it in a lot of different ways. And um, I could quote the statistics with the best of them. And I told the Lord one day, I said, you know, I can quote the stats, but those numbers are so mind-boggling. I said, if there's any way I could see this with my own eyes, I would like to do that. And we went over together, and I'll get to that in a little bit, to see the rescue home and the kids who've been rescued. But then I got connected with the organization called the Exodus Road, whose motto is justice is in the hands of ordinary people. You don't have to be a cop. You don't have to be a military person. If you have a heart to help, you come to us. We will train you. We will vet you. We will check you out. And if you can pass, you can go. And I brought that to my wife, and I said, what do you think? And she goes, well, I don't know. I don't think you're going to be good at that. Um, but try it. And I thought, well, if it's God, God will open the door. And if it's not, he'll close the door. And God opened the door, and I was accepted. And I was accepted to be an undercover, covert intelligence officer with the Excess Road, where we go, and we go undercover trying to find the children who are being sold. And we arm ourselves with cameras hidden where we can record them and create a video to give to the police so that hopefully we can bring a raid and a rescue. Her name is Priyo. I met her when we first moved over, walked down the street. And as I walked down the street, we live one block away from this street that literally has about 55 brothels and roughly 500 girls 
and what is known as ladyboys or transvestite all up and down that street trying to present themselves and sell themselves. And if you are a guy walking down that street, um, go with your wife, or if you're going to go by yourself, you will be, you know, in some very tough situations. And I was walking down the street to go to the end of the street where they had what is called patia praise. And groups, Christian bands would come from all over the world and descend upon this city known as Sin City once a year. And there they would set up a stage in the heart of the red light districts and they would worship the Lord. And I had to get down there. I had to get down there. And as I was walking down there the first night, this little hand reached through a crowd of, of, of women and touched me on the shoulder. And I looked over and I saw her face. And I thought to myself, how old are you? But I had to get to the worship event. And I was at the worship event, but I couldn't get this face out of my mind. And we went back that night, and we talked about it, and I had to take my time uh, over the course of a couple months to finally find out who her name was. And we know her now over three years. Uh, she's an orphan who basically arrived in the city. And the city itself has roughly 30,000 men, women, and children that are for sale every single night to about 12 million tourists a year who come from all over the world there, primarily for this industry. So you name the country, they're there. And just before we left to come back home this last time, before COVID hit, I had about $200 left in our outreach envelope. And she, I, I stopped to see her that night because she was working in the brothel to say goodbye. And she had just messaged me, and, and I'll show you that here in a moment, what she messaged me about helping her. But while we're there, what we do is several things. So bring up the next slide, please. This is a picture of a whole bunch of the ladies who come to what is called an outreach dinner. We work alongside of a Tamar Center, which is a, an off-branch of YWAM, and they're right in the heart of the red light district. They offer housing, they offer uh, skills, uh, teaching them, training them in cooking, baking, hair design, whatever. Um, they also have a church in the midst of that street I was talking about. But they do try to do every month, but the big one is called Real Men by Roses, Not Women on Valentine's Day. And so we participate uh, in helping to get the women to come because they have women that go out and minister to the different girls. But now many of the bar owners are very smart to that. And they're like, we know who you are. We don't want you coming around here anymore. You can't come. But the women want to come and they need somebody. They need a guy that will go in there and buy them that doesn't look like they're associated with them. And because of the undercover work, they know who I am. They call me. And so the next picture is a, another guy and I who had gone in the night before to purchase these two women who wanted to come so badly. But the mama-san, which is the older gal who kind of oversees them and protects them, um, didn't want them to go. So we went in and posed as customers, or Johns, if you'll call it, and purchased them so they could go. In fact, that night, I had to purchase five different girls off of the same street that all wanted to come to the outreach dinner and do it in such a way where I didn't walk by the previous bar. And thank God they were all positioned in a way that that could happen. So I know, you've never heard that before, but there are human beings that cannot get to the gospel unless you get to them. And to get to them, you have to go to dark places 
and find them. So that is one of the things that we like to do. We also like to raise money to help put on these outreach dinners. At the dinner, they get a free buffet. It's in a beautiful uh, hotel. They are shared the gospel. They have testimonies. They're given gift bags and given the opportunity to escape, really, and to start a new life. Because of COVID, every bar and brothel, 22,000 of them over there, was shut down. That is amazing. The bad part of that is these people are very poor to start with. This just made it worse. And there were brothels that were serving a thousand meals a day because the people were lined up around the block just to get something to eat. The need is great. I just talked to the director of the Tamar Center and he said, we're full. All of our beds are full of people coming and entering the program now. They just had a record for their church service in the heart of the red light district. It was packed out. There was no more room. Uh, so God is doing something great in the midst of something that is very inconvenient. Amen? So one of the other things, if you'll go to the next slide, is the undercover investigation. So the girl I showed you at the end of the video, this is what she typed to me that night in Thai and translated, I think you can't help me, no one can help me. You know, when I go in there, they don't know I'm a part of the ministry. They don't know what I do, but they know that I'm there to help. And every situation is a little different. But she was basically going to be homeless that night. And being a little street smart, I like to check that out. And I said, well, I'll, I'll be thinking about you. And then late that night, early, early in the morning, she messaged. She was not, uh, she, she was locked out. So the next day I got up, it was our last day. And I said, so if I can come to where you are, can I meet your, your, the landlord and can I give her the money? She said, yes. And so it just happened to be the, the last amount of money that we had left in our outreach, went and paid her rent so she could go back inside where her and her two little cats uh, lived. And that's where she wanted to say thank you for sending mom and papa to help people like me. So that there in a nutshell is kind of what we do when we're over there, as well as in other parts of the world. So I want to bring up the next slide, please, which highlights the undercover work of just last year, 246 rescues, 133 arrests, and 38 missions. You know, this has opened my eyes to another definition of mission. It's not just a place you go and what you do. It is who you are. It's like pastoring. It's not what you do. It's who you are. You are pastor. Whether you are up here on the pulpit, back there in the office, or at home with the kids and the grandkids, you are pastor. And missions on a deployment, and what that is, is when I work with the Exodus Road, it's a two-week deployment where we go to different parts of Southeast Asia as well as other parts of the world uh, by invitation only of police to go help identify the miners who are being sold and help them to be able to, to bring freedom to them. So in the six to seven years of their existence, almost 1,500 have been rescued and, and brought into homes where they're able to start and, and heal from the life of abuse that they have had. So let's go to the next slide. How did we get here? This is what our home in Southeast Asia looks like. So I'm just going to go real quick and kind of take you on the journey with me. So every year as a pastor, I, I share with you how we would talk about uh, the, uh, the need for human trafficking and to, to stop it. Well, I met the, the guy and his wife who started a rescue home for children. And I told my wife, because uh, when you live in Minnesota... 
I smartened up after a few years and realized you have got to get out of there at least once or twice a week or two weeks out of the winter time. So I told my wife, I said, hey, January's coming. What do you say we go to Thailand and we go and check out our missionary and see what our missions dollars is doing? We've never been overseas like that, but she was like, sure. So I contacted our friends. They're like, that's great. We have a home. We actually have kids in our home right now, so we can't have you in here with us, but we would love to have you over here. And I said, no problem. I will book a hotel room. So I got online. I got on hotels.com. I booked a room. I've never been to the city before, so I just booked a room, and we got our air flight, and we flew 22 hours and landed about midnight in Bangkok. And when we arrived, we walked out and felt the blast of a furnace of the heat at night and got into the taxi and drove about two hours south down to the city. Is nothing in between. It's kind of dark. Once we arrived, the taxi driver pulled over and asked for directions. And I thought, oh my goodness, where did I book a room? And finally he found it and we went upstairs. We took a shower, we laid on the bed. It's about two o'clock in the morning. And outdoor, down below, is an open-air beer garden slash brothel. And I laid there, and I thought to myself, my wife is going to kill me. I booked a hotel in a red-light district. And I thought, well, from what I understand, the whole city is actually a red-light district. We woke up that morning. I said, so how'd you sleep? She said, I slept like a baby. I said, the music didn't bother you? Nope. It was all the stuff from the 60s and 70s, everything I grew up with. I'm like, okay, cool. So we were going to be about two days before we met our missionaries. I said, let's go take a walk down the street and let's go get one of these massages that we hear about. Thai massages is cheap. It's $5 for an hour. And so we began walking down that street and we saw a massage here, a massage there, a massage there. And halfway down, my wife turns and looks at me and says, so how do we know which one to go into that we are not going to get more than we're bargaining for? I said, we don't. I said, we stay together. And so we went in and we got a foot massage and it was $5 for the hour. And we went back on the street and walked down and everything was great. The next night we're walking back after exploring the city about 10 o'clock at night to go back to the hotel, which is pretty much like where I'm standing. And she says, you know, if I'm going to walk around this city for the next two weeks, I want to get a pedicure. I'm like, okay. So we go inside and we sit down and she orders a pedicure And I watch as the woman comes out and puts the water at her feet and begins to wash her feet. And then they ask me what what I like. And I'm like, well, I just had a massage yesterday. I don't need that. Um, I'm just going to sit here. And as I'm looking at her and I'm thinking to myself, guys don't get pedicures. I don't even know a guy that's ever had a pedicure. And, uh, but I saw her feet being washed. I thought, well, and I looked outside the window and I thought, ain't nobody going to know me. Um, I'll do it. So I order the pedicure, and I sit down next to her, and I watch out of the same door approaches me a lady boy, a man that is trying to be a woman, and kneels at my feet and begins to wash my feet, and now I am really uncomfortable. I'm just thinking to myself, Lord, I... I was very uncomfortable just getting a pedicure. I mean, this, the hotel is right there, Lord. I'll just go up there. She'll be fine. And when I did that, the Holy Spirit began to speak. And he brought me to a portion of scripture. I just want to share with you just a few thoughts today. So if you want to bring up the main key word of that, Luke chapter 7, I have something to say to you. 
And those were the words I pretty much literally heard as I sat there really uncomfortable. I have something to say to you. And then, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it. Pastor Rich has just preached it recently. But the Holy Spirit said, you know, as you are sitting here, I want to remind you of a time when I was invited to dinner at a Pharisee's house. Now, in case you ever wanted to know what was on the menu that night, the menu was actually Jesus. They could care less what they were going to serve for food. He was at the table, and it was time for them to question him. They were going to bait him with questions. And before they could even get that, a woman of reputation walked in. That had to be a gutsy move for her, but walked in and knelt at his feet and begin to wash his feet with her tears and dry them with her hair. And when I was reminded of that, then the Lord said, there's two things I want to say to you. I'm like, what is that? He said, number one, if you're concerned about your reputation, you shouldn't be in that city. You shouldn't be here. If you're concerned as a pastor, what they think about you as a pastor, then you should go home. And number two, is there anybody that you will not allow to simply touch you so that I can touch them? And that was like a gut punch. I said, no, Lord, as long as you touch them. Little did I know that that was going to eventually lead a few years later to getting involved with the Exodus Road, where yes, you are touched. Yes, that little Priol reached out her hand and touched me. And as I began to think about the ministry of Jesus and our ministry, it is so easy to look at needs and go, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's help there. And it's like taking a shotgun and it's just spraying at a need. But if you really want to get something, you need to take a rifle. And you target what you want to target. And when Jesus walked, if you remember, in the crowd of people, it was another woman that just touched the hem of his garment. Stopped him in his tracks. Who touched me? And she was made whole. It was a blind Bartimaeus that that cried and yelled, Jesus, have mercy on me. It was a leper that Jesus was willing to to touch, to stop, to get dirty. And Jesus, don't get, his reputation was online at this dinner. Because if you remember, Simon responds to this question. And Jesus, I mean, Simon says, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is that's touching him. And the Bible scripture says, And Jesus, answering Simon's thoughts, began to share a story. He said, you know, there was two people in debt. One was 500 silver coins in debt and 150 in debt. And he talked about the person who was able to forgive their debt, forgave that debt. Which one do you think will love them more? Well, obviously the one that's been forgiven more. Exactly. 
You know, that was, the Bible says Jesus stripped himself of his reputation. He left heaven and he came to earth and he simply became a servant. He was not too good to bow and wash the feet of his disciples. He was not too high and lofty to feed the poor and needy. He didn't go to talk to the intellectual. He went and lived with the common man that were in need. The last mission that I was on, the last deployment, was last fall. And I'm going to end to wrap it up with this story. If you want to bring the next picture up. My partner and I were invited to the hotel room where the, the, the director and the assistant were assigning different missions. And they brought us in because up to this point, everywhere we went, we kind of all stayed in the same place. But he brought us in separately and said, guys, we're going to send you to a hotel. We don't have any contact over the last couple of years, but two years ago, some of our team stumbled across this hotel and they were escorted upstairs and the entire floor was filled with Russian girls who had been trafficked and they were all drugged on their beds and we want you to go, we've got your rooms booked in that place, we want you to find out whether they're still there and um, you need to be careful because every, everything you do could be taped, you may be escorted to your room, uh, the, your room might be, but we, don't, we have no idea. So we were like, great, we accepted it as a badge of honor. And we went, and this is actually my room. My partner was in the room next door. And long story short, fortunately, they weren't there. They had been moved to another place, and that is part of what happens. They just move them uh, as soon as people start getting wise to what's going on. So we went back, and we shared that, and he said, okay. So it was the last night, and they brought me in by myself and said, here's what we want you guys to do tonight. The team's going home tomorrow, but you live here. And we want you because we know that girls from Africa are trafficked in this particular alley, in this particular area. We want you tonight to go down the alley and we want you to buy one of the girls and we want you to take the girl to your room and we want to find out if we can. We want you to begin to build a relationship so that we can hopefully send you back in a couple weeks and a couple weeks after that because we want to find out what happens and how do they get here. And I was like, okay. And at that point when I left, I was like, dear Jesus, help me. <laughs> I, I'm not trained for this. I don't know what to do. I don't know who I'm supposed to go. But at midnight... In the alley, they begin to pull out what's called pop-up bars. They set up plastic tables and plastic chairs and bring out liquor and all this stuff. And all the Africans are all over the area. And so I told my partner, because he was across the street watching, I said, when I go down the alley, we're going to be out of contact. But just once in a while, just message me a simple letter I, which means I have eyes on you. And I went down and I prayed, Lord, I don't know who, but lead me to who. As I walked down, I get to the end, and I stood there, and I was waiting for the one to touch. But there was one that said, what do you want? And I said, well, this must be the one. And we sat, and we talked, and eventually came up on the price. Took her back to the room, and we sat right there on that bed. Her name is Sophie from Tanzania. And as we sat on that bed, I, I said, sit here, let's talk. Because we, we were able to carry a good conversation. 
I said, tell me more about how all this works. You know, what is going on? And in that one hour's time, she told me everything. You know, we are told that we have a job when we get here working in a restaurant or a hotel. And as soon as we get here, they take our passports from us. And we are forced to sell ourselves and pay off our debt. Most of the girls have about $4,000 to pay back before they're allowed to get their passport and they can go home. said, I'm older. I actually know the girl who is selling all the girls. I have about $1,500 before I can go home and see my son. And only when she has a customer, she is able to bring up Wi-Fi and, and call home. And she looked and called home, and I could see her son sleeping on the bed and, and somebody saying something to her, which was basically, we need, we need you to send some money home because we don't have food to feed anymore. And she told me that she would, anytime she'd have a customer, she'd give as much as she possibly could to pay off her debt so she could one day go home. What a terrible way to live a life. Debt. But in actuality, that's why you get up tomorrow morning, you go to work, because you know you have debt coming. You have bills to pay, a mortgage to pay, or whatever. That's, that's, that's kind of why we keep working, because we have debts to pay. But for those, and I don't know how many are free of debt, what a feeling that is, isn't it? And I told her, she looked at me and said, you know what? She said, every night when I go out, I pray. I pray to God to send me an angel. And tonight he sent an angel. And before we were done, I was able to give her a little bit of extra money to send home to take care of the food. And I said, I don't know what I can do, but I'm going to do what I can. And very long story short, a few weeks later, I was able, with the help of Christians, to raise the money that she needed to sit at a restaurant with my wife to slide an envelope towards her and say, I want you to know, because she was a Muslim woman, and she was a black woman, I want you to know Christians gave this money so that you could go home and you could be free. didn't pray sinner's prayer with her or anything, but I wanted you to know that as a Muslim, I know you have to do a lot of good so that in hopes that maybe you'll get to heaven. But I want you to know that as Christians, we know that we have a debt that we cannot pay. And it took somebody greater than us to pay our debt. And that was God's son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says we've been bought with a price Therefore, glorify God. It was the blood of God's own son that he offers to you and you online today saying, I've paid your debt. Will you simply receive the envelope? It's not based on how often you go to church, but let me say, you need to be in church. I know this is a difficult time and it's the longer it goes on, the easier it's going to be not. But Hebrews 10 says, don't forsake your fellowshipping together. So we value your prayers, Pastor Rich, if you want to come up. We value your prayers as we continue to go and 
try to find and free and rescue those who are caught up in human slavery. As we try to find the children, we value your prayers. And if God would lay it on your heart to support us, my wife will be out there. If you would like the book, it's out there. Uh, She does have square card reader and all that kind of stuff. Um, But remember two names behind the numbers I gave you today. Priyo, the little girl, and Sophia, the woman from Tanzania. I just wanted to take the issue of human trafficking and make it personal. These are real people. And we love going over there and hear them say, Mama and Papa are back. Pastor Rich. Amen. You guys stay up here. We're going to pray for you guys. Let's all stand. And, you know, they're going to, after we pray, they're going to be out in the lobby there if you'd like to have a conversation. They're... Like I said, they're, like he said, they're selling these, these books uh, that he's written. I encourage you to purchase one, two, ten, <laughs> however. Um, all this is funds that are being used for this very task that you heard about today. And uh, I tell you what, man, I was bawling the, from the first video <laughs> of what God is doing and how God's using you guys. Um, what they do, very few of us can do. I, I sat there with my jaw dropped yesterday talking to thinking, I could never do what you do. I, I just, I couldn't, I don't know how in the world you could possibly do that. So evidently God has empowered them to do this, has anointed them to do this. And so we are going to, we're going to, we're going to pray for them. We're going to send them off. We're going to believe God for, for many, many, many more rescues. I mean, does this break your heart to see what's happening around the world? And I get to get up in the morning and, you know, do my thing and see my grandkids I just thought about that little girl, Priya, Priyo, Priyo. I thought, what if she was my granddaughter? So we got to do something about that, right? Amen. Let's just extend your hands towards them. Let's pray for them. Father, God, I just want to thank you for Dirk and Bobby, Lord God, and for their heart of compassion, Lord Jesus. God, you have set them, a, set them apart for this work of ministry. And God, we, as a church, we stand behind them. Father, we pray for them. We pray for Priyo. We pray for, for these children that are just taken, Lord God, and enslaved. We pray, God, that you will just give them wisdom and guidance. Father God, open doors, miraculously open doors for them, Father, that many, many more would be rescued. We thank you, God, that you're using them. We thank you, God, that one day in heaven, Father, we will see many Many who have been set free and rescued because of the work that they have done. And so, God, will you bless them? Will you protect them? Will you keep them safe? And, God, give them favor, Lord God, in all that they do. We thank you, Jesus, for them. And we love you, Lord. Amen. Amen.